It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Utah Puck Report. I'm your host, Jay Stevens. Today, the co-host, Jordan Parisi. Good afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to have you in here. I know you're uh, you're getting busier now that you're a Utah resident. You're starting to settle in. and Yeah, trying to do my best to help out with some of the uh, local hockey teams around here. And um, I think it'll be good. Yeah. I'm going to work with... As it stands right now, preliminarily, I'll be working with Park City's uh, 16U team, as well as the... Uh, West Coast Renegades. Oh, very cool. 16U also. Yeah, very cool. Well, it's uh, that's huge for these teams to get somebody with your knowledge base. I mean, you've had, obviously, like we talked about in your episode, if you haven't heard Jordan's episode yet, please go back and listen to it because it's, it's pretty good. You grew up in hockey. You you could not be more immersed in the hockey world than you have been your entire life. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Like, when I when I was on with the uh, with the West Coast Renegades, uh, there were, I was just, uh, you know, an assistant coach skating around and kind of doing whatever I could to at least somewhat engage with these kids. And it was crazy to see how hungry these guys are for knowledge, but they just get so wrapped up in this routine of like, okay, we're going to do this drill, and then we're just going to snap a puck here, and then we're going to come back. And I just said, why are you shooting this puck here? And where are you shooting this puck? Don't just sit here and grab the puck and fire it on net, you know, blindly. You know, I have a mission every single time. And so then I created like a almost a little game with all the defensemen that were in the in the line and just hey you know we're going to be shooting in between the guys knees and the hips and then all of a sudden they do it and everybody starts cheering and then you know and it kind of creates this it instead of having just a monotonous boring uh practice like every everything that you do every every time that you're on the ice it should be and, and even every drill should be i am doing this for a particular reason and that reason is to get better in some capacity yeah. And when, when, so when I first started coaching and uh, I, I reached out, I was, I was talking to your dad. This was one of the, uh, I believe it was a red wine night at the depot at the, <laughs> <laughs> there just outside of Shattuck St. Mary's. Um, you could really get your dad talking and get a lot of information from him if you sat down at the right time and had a few drinks with him. And he would talk about uh, every, and I, I took this to heart and I never forgot it. Every practice, every drill should have a pass. You should catch a pass, uh, make a pass. Have change of direction, have deception, and then a shot or some kind of a, a good ending, right? Like so, I tried to. I, I realized a lot of the drills that I had been using, and granted, it was for younger kids at the time. But a lot of the drills I'd been using at the time, like you said, is just it was a drill, right? It didn't have like I don't know besides just hockey, just skating up and down and and playing with the puck a little bit. You really weren't playing with purpose, right? Well, it's crazy how many times and how many drills that you think of that. It's just a guy, you know, even if it's a warm-up drill, wherever the case may be, it's a guy receiving a pass and skating 180 feet, maybe stick handling, maybe not, you know, but probably going about 70% of his speed and then maybe receiving a pass and then going another 180 feet and taking a shot with no, and at no point is there any pressure, is there any change in direction, is there any, and it's 
like why are we wasting our time why are we wasting 15 20 minutes of every practice doing something that you will literally never do in a game ever right um, and I know that there's that fine line between this is warm-ups and this is, you know this is a warm-up drill or not but it's there's a lot of wasted time once you once you really take a step back there's so much wasted time of where you could be implementing some sort of skill set into these kids that you're not doing you're not taking advantage advantage of these really I mean, it's 20 minutes of practice per day, and if you start adding that over weeks and then over the entire season, right. you've wasted days' worth of uh, intentional purpose. And I don't know if you've noticed around here, but ice time is limited. Like, right. it is hard to get ice in Utah. It's all sold out. And so you think about, all right, we're only going to get three practices. That's all we're going to get a week. Yeah. And then you waste 20 minutes, or that's, that's an hour a week. Right. That you've just wasted one out of your three hours. Right. And and not wasted, but it, it but it could be used better. Exactly. And then it, it brings into the point. Um, also, Kevin Constantine uh, was telling us he's just like, hey, when you're like, he just didn't believe in making guys do push-ups after they shot over the net, right? And, and you've played for him, so you probably know this as well. Yeah. He wanted you to shoot, like, take a hard shot, right? Try to hit, you know, that ninety degree angle, like top right. shelf. And uh, it, it was funny because he's like. That guy shoots wide, and now you punish him. So what does he do the next next time down? Right, he's just going to put a muffin on that, and yeah. all of a sudden he does that for a week straight, and yep. then all of a sudden in a game comes, it's just a horrible shot that... Yeah, he shoots it right in the goalie's crest. Right. Because he didn't have to do push-ups if he did that. Right. Yeah, so that's just one of the things, and, and that that's funny because this episode, we jumped right into it, which was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to talk about, um, instead of doing an interview and, and, and stuff, I want to just talk about uh, mental preparation, practice, stuff like that, how to become a better hockey player. And uh, and being a close friend of yours through your career, um, man, clear back to your high school days, I can, I, can, I can talk to you and tell you and remember. Sometimes I have to refresh your memory on some. some Definitely. <laughs> hit the head quite a few times, yeah. So I can remember different parts where you would change something about your um, your game, yep. and I remember at first it was your stance. You had you had issues with your stance. You th- I can't remember. You thought you stood like at an angle instead of square, and that was like your first year at North Dakota. I remember you were really working on stance and squaring up, and then your uh, your second year, I think you started really getting into pregame prep. And that's what I wanted to talk about today: is mental preparation because it's not just for goalies. And we were just in the hallway talking to Scott Mitchell. I should have dragged him in here. And I thought about it for a minute, but then we would lose. Great guy to have in here. We'd lose the whole episode to him, though. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so he uh, he he brought up a lot of good points. Is is that uh, you know obviously in the NFL he had all the resources in the world as a quarterback, and he said, yeah, mental prep and visualization was huge for him as a quarterback. He went through all of it, and uh, they talked. You know, they they would step him through the process of your internal stimuli, your external stimuli, and how do you control that and become a better athlete? Because quarterback is a lot like goaltender. Well, that's what I just told him, but uh, obviously it's not as hard. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, you're you're alone, right? And a lot of the mistakes you make are because of yourself. And and you know, it's not like you you missed a guy on a pass or whatever because he was skating a different route than you thought or whatever. It's it's on you. And sometimes you overthink something or you underthink something or you're not prepared enough. So, well, I, I, this is this is great. So I'm gonna I'm gonna step back a little bit. So in regards to how you were asking me about my stance, there there's all these, especially with goaltending, and you're well aware with this, or well well aware of this. There has been. Uh, 
a significant change. And it was during my time of, of that period that you're talking about of when I was probably uh, 18, 19 years old when this major shift from stand-up slash hybrid, hybrid goalies yep. uh, became strictly butterfly goalies. And that, that was like, I was literally 18 years old or 17 years old when this was going on. So I fortunately had access to Ian Clark, who yep. ended up being probably one of the most renowned goalie coaches that there is. And he was on the forefront of this. Of course, Francois Allaire takes credit for it with um, Patrick Waugh. But it was really Ian Clark that made this. He he broke it down in such a way that he was so technical on it. It wasn't just, I think Francois's approach was, hey, you know, just go down and this takes up more net. And he said it in his French accent. Right, and, yeah, uh, of course. Um, whereas Ian said, this is how you go down. This is how you move. This is how your equipment should be. And he dissected every possible aspect of it. So I went from not really being a butterfly goalie at all to almost being 100% butterfly during that transition. So as as I was you know, many years into a career and then having to completely change what I was doing, it was mentally, I mean, horrible because it was this this particular thing has gotten me this far and I know that it's successful. Now I have to completely revamp my game and do something entirely different. How do you approach that? Yeah, and, and all the scouts were looking for that all of a sudden. Right, exactly. Because you had kids like Jason Bakashwa and you had uh, even Mike Smith to that extent. You had these kids coming up that kind of knew it and had gone to Ian or Francois. Yep. And so Francois had Patrick Waugh and Ian Clark. Wasn't it him and Ed Belfour that kind of put that together? I can't remember. I feel like Roberto Luongo was one of oh, yeah, Ian's yeah, yeah. first guys okay. uh, that really took on that big pads, big shoulder. Yeah. Uh, and then Francois had Jaguar. Uh, Jaguar. Yeah. And so there was just this huge flux of this new style of goaltending, nonetheless. Um, so that was, that was a hard part for me to transition into. And then, of course, as I went through college, that was kind of the refining period for uh, me making that final transition, and then once I turned pro, then it it was pretty much streamlined by that point. There were a few tweaks that, of course, that you right. have to make throughout the course of your career. Um, one of the big flaws with that with that butterfly style was a lot of people were now getting beat high glove, yep. and it was simply just a matter of instead of having your thumb pointing uh, straight up, you had your fingers pointing straight up, and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden that completely eliminated people be getting beat high glove but you always resort back to what you practice and if you get a little bit lazy and, and there's a guy uh um who's a guy from the wild right now i'm just drawing a blank uh goalie for the wild i don't know <laughs> um i can't i'm all of a sudden uh, going back to fernandez <laughs> um dubnik dubnik yeah dubnik so dubnik if you watch him when he struggles that's exactly what it is he regresses he he goes into this mode where he and I can I can pick this up. I, I sit there and I watch the game and I know is this guy going to get beat high glove today or is he not? And it's as simple as does he have his thumb pointing up or does he have his fingers pointing up? Yeah. And it's just one of those things. As you get tired, as you know, you, you don't focus on it so much. You just fall back into and this is you know it's a very it's a very military type thing like where they make you they put you in the most stressful, most horrible uh, conditions possible before you go into battle. So that once you get into battle and it gets that horrible, you already have your baseline. Right. Um, whereas if you don't practice at that level all the time and you're constantly thinking of it, uh, then you regress back to whatever you get to when you're tired. And that's when you start dropping your glove. It's funny that you bring him up, too, because he's one of the guys that has a different mental prep with the and, – and 
He's one of the. He's known for it, and then he's got the tracking that he does too. He, yeah, he's got a different way of tracking the puck that yep. he calls. I can't remember where he calls it, but yeah. There's there, so as far as we'll, we'll jump into a bunch of different things here, but as far as me- mental preparation went, uh, when I was at, I didn't really. I I, tr- I tested a couple things out when I was at Shattuck, and it was just basically hearing people say, "Oh, you should do visualization type things." So I would walk through different visualization. Uh, as best as I could, as best of my knowledge. And then once I started progressing in my career, there were some people that would give you better techniques. And so I tried to implement those. And then when I was at North Dakota, it was a lot of, and I don't know how I got in, got onto it, but it was a lot of me going into a quiet room and for about 20 minutes or 30 minutes, basically visualizing, uh, closing my eyes and visualizing as if somebody was in the slot and then at the dots and then top of the circles, and then blue line. And I would envision or visualize a right-hand shot, taking shots to every part of my – so high glove, mid glove, low glove, uh, into my chest, high blocker, mid blocker, low blocker. And then that was a right-hand shot, and then I had a left, left-hand left shot doing it. And then i go to the next position, and I would just walk through. And then sure enough, during the game, whether it was a le- left-hand shot or a right-hand shot, I had already imagined that that was going to be taking place. So – I don't know if it helped. I feel as though it helped, but it was as if I could read the puck off the stick quicker because I had already imagined that this was something that was going to be taking place. Yeah, well, I remember when you were going through it, and you you definitely thought it helped then, yep. and I think your numbers would show that you're playing your best hockey at that point. Yeah. Like, you you were... So that's when you're setting records at North Dakota, so it's, it's hard to say that it didn't work. Yeah, I, and, and so... It could very well be the visualization. It could be very well the the fact that it was more of a meditative state, and I was able to calm myself and um, eliminate the thinking process. Oh. I mean, this is this is the amazing thing about psychology is that there are so many different techniques that people will give you, um, and it's like it's like the opposite of what you need. You should it should be like wisdom, like where it's everything is simplified. You should yeah. be taking things away. Um, as opposed to, well, I'm going to add a breathing technique, and then I'm going to add a visualization technique, and then I'm going to add a juggling technique, and you just keep adding these things, and this is like this is the exact opposite of what we should be doing. All here. of a sudden, your 15 minute warm up time right. is just you got to get to the rink at three o'clock now. So, yep, yeah. exactly. Well, and it's just, I mean it's the same with anything else you do in life, right? Like if you're a golfer, now everybody's going to tell you, all right, do, oh, you got to breathe in now, or you got to turn right. turn that toe. Right. <laughs> and it's even as, stu- as stupid as so now I'm into the kettlebell workout thing. Yep, and literally. Every time somebody else works out with me that's that's around me or whatever, tells me what I'm doing wrong from what the last guy showed me I was doing right. And it's like everybody has their own thing that works for them, and they try to share that with you. And right, right around, well, what's the most frustrating thing, and I think this is with golf, and I know it's with kettlebell, and I personally have seen it with hockey as well. It's usually the guy that only has about 20% of the knowledge. Yeah, for sure. And he wants to give you like he knows everything. For sure. And, well, uh, unfortunately, when it comes to professional sports, those guys are giving you that information. They truly believe it, but they yeah. are not going to buck from that at all because then they lose their job. Right. You know, so they have to tell you that, and they have to be very certain that this is exactly what it is. And if, if there is a problem, it's because you did the problem. It's not because they were the problem. Yep. Um, but then, but then, you know, so kind of what you're talking about and what I'm, what I'm talking about as well is it almost becomes paralysis by analysis and you're just constantly thinking, should I be doing this? Should I be doing this? Should I be doing this? And then it gets to the point where it's like, well, now the game has passed me by and I haven't done anything, (laughs) you know? Yeah. And Uh, it's, it's, we we talked about it at at lunch a little bit and 
So obviously my life has been a lot different. I was barely figuring out anything about hockey by the time I was playing in college at Weber State. I was trying to figure out, or even when I was in, in Botno at North Dakota, I went from, I had played maybe 50 games in my entire life because I didn't play travel team, I didn't play anything. I just played high school hockey in Utah. That's where I started. And then I had two months at Shattuck, which I literally almost doubled my games because I was there. And we had ice every day. We had ice once a week here. So I didn't have a practice routine. I didn't have any of that stuff. Half the time when we got to the rink here for practice, we didn't even have a locker room. And we'd end up getting dressed while the people are getting off the ice uh, from public skating. And we're in the main lobby with them throwing on our cup and yeah. You know, so there was no routine there. And then there was some routine when I was in, in Botno. But then when I got to Weber and I'm like, okay, now I'm a veteran of a hundred games in my life. Right. And I'm still trying to figure out how do I get ready for games? And I'm, everybody is telling me how to get ready. Right. And it just, I guess you just have to test a bunch of different things. The problem is if they don't work, then you get, you get lit up. Or whatever happened that day, you get lit up and you don't know what was that. Did I not visualize right? Did I not exactly eat the right pasta? Or and this is and this is certainly why as guys progress progress in their career, they start taking those things away. And I and I know that like John Taves was one of those guys that actively said this. And they you know they said to him, uh, "Do you have any sort of uh, things that you do before games, or do you have any superstitions?" And and he act you know came right out and said like superstitions will essentially end your career yeah. because you just get so obsessed with these ones and eventually, uh, you know, you take care of yourself and there's a lot, there's so much in sports, in life and everything that you cannot control. And if you start trying to control all those things, then you start to go insane. Yeah. And then, uh, you, you, again, paralysis by analysis, you're just constantly over, over analyzing things and adding more things. And it just becomes it just becomes a detriment. And so as I progress in my career, it became less and less. Of course, I would still do the visualization things just because I felt that that helped. But superstition-wise, threw all of those away. Um, I had my my routines, of course, uh, where I, you know, I started getting dressed at a certain time or around a certain time. But it wasn't as if, you know, when I was in college or when I was in high school, it was like, I need to be touching my left lace at exactly 834 before warm-ups right you know and that just becomes ridiculous yeah and and there are guys and the other part of this is if somebody learns your your routine and we've seen it with guys that want to be the last guy off the ice yeah and then another guy on the other team knows that so they're going to stay on the ice till right. can, yeah <laughs> right. until the zamboni is about done right they're not right. going to let you have your routine and there's so many things that can break your routine for sure that you really your best bet is to not have a routine right it's just you can you can control certain things when you get to the rink and you can control how you've prepared to that point have you eaten right have you did you do the work in the off season you can control those things but you can't control everything when you get there and right. you were talking was it i don't know if it was you telling stories or uh talking about bus trips and getting the games and i don't know if it was you that was in europe or you know you got buses breaking down yeah and yeah, I mean there were there were times where I, I and it, this happened to me in the coast too. Uh, we were driving from Wheeling to Kalamazoo, Michigan, and I don't know how many hours it was, and it was something ungodly. And we had to leave the night before, and we left after a game, so we have wet gear, and our we ran into a snowstorm, so now we have wet gear. We're getting to the game late, and basically it was just one of those things where it was like, if anybody 
had ever had a superstition, today was a day that we're all throwing it away. <laughs> or a pregame routine. It, we just cannot. And we got to thump that game anyway. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, that has always been something that I've, that I've looked back on and, and tried to understand. And then as I have gone forward in my own life away from the game, what are those things uh, when it comes to preparation of anything? Um, and, and just the idea of taking care of what you can control and, and uh, I, if, if I look back on my career, I would definitely, I, what I would recommend players to do now is to, is to go through a four to five minute breathing and just call Cause that has been medically proven to show that it can like lower your blood pressure and all these other things. But if you can sit there and you can, uh, if you can breathe through your anxiety more or less um, for five, 10 minutes before you go out and play. And if you need to separate yourself from the rest of the team, then go and do that. But otherwise, if you have not put in the work prior to that game, then no matter what techniques that you're going to do, it's not going to make you play any better. Right. Um, so that would that would be my recommendation to anybody that is that is trying to figure out what should I do, what should I not do. I would. That was going to be my last question. What was your? What oh, would okay. be, <laughs> <laughs> but that's. I mean, that's what we want. We want the advice from guys that have been through a ton. And I, I, I have very. My advice is. Uh, just control what you can control. Yeah, and yeah, if you can, if you can do something. But um, pulling back to what you're saying, because it, it goes to the rest of your life too. And it, it's in my other life as a firefighter and as a paramedic, uh, it's easy for me to say, you know what, I don't have to like. We do pediatric advanced life support as paramedics, and then we do uh, adult advanced life support, so PALS and ACLS, and. Um, I only have to, I have to redo those tests every other year. So every two years I got to retake one, but they rotate them. So I can go 18 months without studying PALS. But, but, and I, and I, I, I could honestly go 18 months without having a, a kid patient, but I don't, I don't feel comfortable yeah, right. not rehearsing that stuff and right. not practicing that stuff and not reading that stuff frequently. So I read it and then it just so happens, like I was just telling you before, I just worked the nine straight days. Well, I had a, a six-month-old drowning. I had, you know, I've had all these patients in the last nine days. I've had five pediatric patients, and all I just happened to read through all of the basics, all of the the most important stuff right then. Like I'd read it in the last month. So when that came up, I was comfortable with it, and I knew exactly what I needed to do, and we had positive outcomes on all of those. And I think that's what you need to do with your games as well. And it's tough as a goaltender, but we're trying to talk to all all hockey players here is that, you know, the goaltenders have zero control of what happens in a practice. And a lot of those practices are, like you said, it's a guy skating down single on the left side right. and he shoots from the blue line. Is that ever going to happen during a game? Right. Probably not, you know. So, but if you can control it and, and put out ideas so that, or if you're a coach and you're trying to get kids ready for their next game or whatever put them in game-like situations put them in those difficult situations like you're talking about with the army put them in miserable situations so they can figure stuff out put them in that five on three how many times in your practice have you practiced being down five on three right and now even in men's league here the other day we, <laughs> the other day we went three on three you know we, we went overtime three on three i've never played three on three <laughs> well i like you know but it was fun it was a blast so uh i guess that's my advice is just the the real best pregame prep comes in those in the off season and those practices leading up to it. Right. So that was that was going to be my next point. Is uh, when I was at North Dakota, 
I was fortunate enough to have the opportunity to, uh, I had to, I had to make it, I, I personally made a choice and I determined that hockey was going to be the choice that I was going to make in my life. And so fortunately at university of North Dakota, we had unlimited ice. We didn't have to share the ice with anybody. It was on our campus. We had a, we had an excellent situation that not a lot of people have. So what I would do every single day, and this is, this was my entire junior year and these, and it's, it, it makes sense that this happened during my best year. Um, but every single day I would wake up, I would go have breakfast. I would go straight to the rink. This is, I'm not advising anybody to do this because it's really hard to keep up with school if you do this, <laughs> but you can see where your focus was. <laughs> right. But, uh, but again, like I made that determination as I was going to be a professional hockey player under, and nothing was going to stop me. So, I would get up, I'd go out at breakfast, and I'd go straight to the rink, and I would do you know, an hour warm-up of whatever I needed to do, and I would get on the ice for an hour. And so I would ask some guys if they didn't have practice to come, but if they didn't come, it didn't matter to me because I was on the ice for one hour every single day um, doing certain position-specific movements that I was going to see myself doing during the game. And I did this. There was It wasn't, oh, should we not do this uh, because it's Wednesday. It was like, no, we are doing this every single day no matter what. Wow. And so uh, then I would go and have lunch, and then I would come back to the rink for practice. So as you can see, there was no schooling involved <laughs> in this, but um, that's why I wouldn't recommend it. So, But th- it was because of me taking time by myself and doing these things on my own and having the opportunity to do these things on my own that all of a sudden my game elevated two levels that I could not have seen before. But it was all because I put in all the preparation before I even before it, it ever came to the game. I did everything I possibly could and put myself into the hardest situations, tired myself out as much as I possibly could, so that when it came time to a game, everything was automatic. Yeah, and there was never any questioning. Oh man, I you know I didn't sharpen my skates properly, or I didn't breathe properly, or I didn't. It was I've already done this one thousand times before this is ever even happening in a game, so. I know that I'm going to be successful with this. That's the perfect, that's exactly what I wanted to hear. And that's exactly what I want to teach is it's, I mean, it's up to you. You got to do the prep work. You got to do the actual work. And like, if you're working out and you want to get a muscle bigger, you work it to failure. Right. And that's in in the army or in the fire service or whatever, they're going to put you in a situation and you're going to work it over and over to failure. Yep. And then when you fail, you practice it harder the next time. Right. So you go longer, further, harder, faster, whatever. Right. So that's exactly I mean, that's if if you take anything away from our mental preparation today. Well, take it, it, the thing is, is, it takes a lot of introspection. It takes a lot of you actually looking at yourself and determining: Have I put enough effort in today? And so, there's there's recently there's a um, clinical psychologist that I've really enjoyed uh, what he says, and, and and I've read a lot about him and read his books. Um, but he's a guy named Jordan Peterson, and one of the things that he says in that book as one of his rules is he has a book called Twelve Rules for Life. And one of his rules is compare yourself to who you were, who you were yesterday, not to who somebody else is today. So at no point was I looking at the other guys that were around me and saying, well, am I, you know, like him or am I trying to be like him or anything like that? It was, have I become better today? Me personally, have I become better today than I was yesterday? And man, if you start thinking that way, there is, there is not a limit to what your capabilities are. It's that moment that you start comparing yourself or you start saying, well, I did enough or, you know, I, I didn't really have to advance today or it wasn't, I was a little tired today. It was like, well, are you better than the person you were yesterday? And if you're not, then you've not done enough. Right. 
And a lot of guys have been like, well, I was on, the other goalie got off five minutes ago, so. Exactly. Uh, at least I outdid I that. But exactly. what did you do the day? That's awesome. That's great. Yeah, that's good. Very good. Okay, well, this was going to be just a quick episode. I just wanted to uh, have one about mental prep because I get asked about it a lot. Yeah. So I thought this would be a good one for us to do. Yeah, cool. All right, cool. So we got more hockey talk coming. Uh, it's going to be going all season. If you want to hear more hockey stuff, of course, just text the word puck to 57500 or get on kslsports.com and look in podcasts, and we're right there. Uh, I, I'd like to say it's alphabetical, but I know we're at the bottom, and I'm not sure why. But I think it's because it's alphabetical. We'll go with that. Okay, Jordan, thanks. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Jay. <laughs> all right, and that's the Utah Puck Report.